Welcome to the Soul to Scene podcast, episode 17. I'm Andy Cooper from RMS Motoring, and today I'm joined by Gary Riley. Hello. And Ross Annett. Evening. So it's been a day or two since uh, all three of us have been in the same uh, room, or in this case, in the same Zoom. But uh, I was away in Vegas chatting to Patrick McCulloch, RMS member, ex-rally uh, Peugeot enthusiast, all the rest, and a man who has moved his entire life out to Vegas. That's well worth a listen. So that was the last show, episode 16. Give that a go if you haven't heard it. But because I was in the US, I missed Dubshed, which I was pretty gutted about because prior to chatting to Patrick, I spoke to the Dubshed guys, which is in episode 15, that's also well worth a listen because I got to chat with Gethin and Nigel just before the show. But uh, Ross, you had to stand there. How, how was the return of Dubshed after the, its uh, COVID absence? Yeah, it was um, It was amazing to get to. Um, just, do you know what was good? It was just good that people were there. The work that the guys put into it, so that, that uh, podcast was very, very good, Andy, uh, even with Bungate on it. But the work that those guys do in the run-up for months and months prior to it, um, it was amazing to see. It was a fantastic show, bunged both days. Um, unfortunately, being on a trade stand, you get very little time to actually walk around and visit it, apart from first thing in the morning or last thing in the, the, the Saturday night. And the standard of cars, just people, everything was great. It was just really, really well done show. Absolutely, some event. And uh, another event I uh, I didn't get invited to because you had to be invited, unlike Dubshed. Gary, you were at uh, something up in the northwest. Yeah, the Bear Run seventy four was on at the weekend past there. Um, so it's run by a guy called uh, Keith Gamble, whose nickname is Bear Gamble, but he owns Joe Soaps Car Wash in Lifford. And uh, his dad died, I think, last year, and they started doing this car run, kind of just as a tribute to him. But they've been raising money for charity. And um, I think all the cars at enter pay, you know, whatever the fee is for the entire weekend. And they kind of do a run around the Northwest or various different regions. So if you imagine a, a cannibal run type event, but probably without the racing and all the kind of craziness that goes on, it's, it's a bit more relaxed and a bit more charitable. Very good. Very good. And did, and I think you brought some nice equipment along with you too. You, you were going to one part of it up. Was it in Eglinton? Is it the yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was. It was. They called it a VIP or private event. It wasn't to be... Um, trying to be exclusive or to keep up people from coming but, but because it was held in the the, the city the Derry city flying club you had access to the grounds of the airport so there was obviously a security concern so you had to be on a list to get in and uh it was quite a small kind of compound area too so they probably didn't want it over a little bit of people but great turnout um we took a couple of cars along with the families own cars that they brought and there was loads and loads of stuff out it really nice supercars lamborghinis ferraris porsches there's a mercedes g wagon uh, WRC Subaru was there. Um, they had a Porsche 918, over a million pounds worth of cars sitting the, there. And the the blue one, I saw, I saw your, yeah. your photo of it, unreal. Yeah. So we were there for a few hours, and the guys then uh, made their way on back up northwest. I think they were going to Bunkrana and Cardona and Letterkenny and various other spots. And um, hopefully, they made a bit of money. I think, you know, in the short time that they've been running, they've raised about 36,000 euros so far for different Jeez, charities. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, so I'll put a link in the show notes because you took some some great photos uh, there. Although it looked like a bit of a bit of a damp day, but it didn't seem to deter anyone turning up. No, there was definitely a good turnout, you know. And uh, come rain or dry, or sorry, come rain or shine, the guys are going to be out. But um, it was just a little bit off it when you're trying to walk around and actually get a few good pictures because it was really pelting down. But we did the best we could. So there's plenty of photos in the thread if people want to go and have a look. And I'm sure there'll be more of these runs, you know, in the coming months and years. And hopefully uh, a few other our messers can make their way to them. The, do you know what? Um, and I sort of have a bit of a, a thought in my mind about all these supercars appearing at various events because actually uh, recently there, Charles Hurst had a uh, Ferrari club style event. Mm-hmm. Was it was on a it was on a Friday afternoon, and it looked like the the, the turnout it was absolutely in, incredible as well. They did a cars and coffee a couple of months ago. And I couldn't get over how uh, approachable the staff were and all the people that had the cars. And I brought the GT4 down and yeah. people were, you know, people were very open. And uh, it was definitely very much a car enthusiast type uh, type day out. And uh, did you see any of the Ferraris 
down there. It is, as, as, as you know, my workplace backs on to Charles Hurst Ferrari's garage. So I see them every day when I go for a coffee and look out the window. So uh, that particular morning, we saw that they kind of cleared the whole parking area around the back of the place. And uh, me and a few colleagues on our tea break took it down the round. And they hadn't really filled it up with all the cars yet, but there were still a few nice things there at that stage. It's an yeah. F40 and an Enzo and various other ones, you know. But uh, yeah, quite a kind of kind of friendly, relaxed atmosphere. And certainly no airs and graces about letting people near Ferraris or walking around them or anything. Yeah, it's brilliant. And they, uh, their workshop is just absolutely Something unreal. else, yeah. Yeah, have you, have you been in it, Ross, at all? The- I've never been in the workshop, but again, I saw some of the photographs that, um, you know, from, from different shows that you guys have been to. It just looks clinically awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. As I say, it's it's very relaxed. I had a, um, I say the, the, the other time I was down there, the coffee cart down and, and just great chat. There's, so Aston Martin's across the way from it as well so there's just no yep. shortage of and, and then they have they have like a premium type cars with 911s and all sorts of more secondhand stuff as well so they so even the stuff that's that being sold there is amazing and then you have all of the owner's cars and all the rest it's actually it's actually a very good uh a very good day out and i was gutted i couldn't make the uh the ferrari event but of it it sort of makes me think as well about the amount of all these uh all these supercars and maybe it's just me this is my where my thoughts are on this whole supercar thing that has the pandemic you know changed people's opinions of right do you know what i have this uh 488 i have a pista in the garage i have a uh, have a lambo i have a mclaren p1 whatever whatever it is and normally i would just take it out on a sunday myself and keep 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 it low key but do you know what the hell with it i'm just going to take it out because uh, i want people to see it life's too short you know that whole that whole yeah. mentality, um, because I know that uh, the the big thing at Bishop's Court last year, the uh, the Supercar Sunday, which is coming around again, coming yeah, again, it was yeah. brilliant. Yeah, you, yeah, I I saw the guys when they were they were heading there, but I couldn't make the Bishop's Court thing. But I know it's been planned again for um, for this summer, and it just looked absolutely uh, massive. It was a big a big turnout of cars, like a really big turnout, and hoping to go to it again this year, maybe take something to it too. But um, I think you're you're right. What you're saying there is definitely a bit of the coming out of COVID feeling that people want to get back out and get driving a bit more. You know, and considering the the months and couple of years there, they couldn't get out as much as they wanted. Maybe bearing in mind too, some of them uh, cars that are kept locked away are limited mileages and things per year, or maybe the owners try and keep the mileage down. So they probably have a, a bit of mileage to use now that they haven't used in the last couple of years. They've been they've been building up their uh, PCP yeah. mileage, rightly, air, air miles or car miles or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> very very good. Well, like, it, it, it's amazing to see because I think you're actually hit the nail on the head. There's there's people have just decided that frigate. We spent the time, we spent the money, we've got the cars. It's like there was um the new member in RMS. He just registered and talked about talk about making an entrance. He came in and uh, with his brand new eight twelve super fast. And and mm. the beautiful red colour it is. And I think he literally just turned around and said that you know something. I've been lucky. I'm in a position to buy a car that was always a dream. So guess what? Here we've gone. We've went and done it. And um, fair play to him. I, th- I think it's it's, it's typical. There, there's Northern Ireland. It, it spoke about a lot. Um, I'm very good friends with one of the best automotive photographers in the country, and he would tell you some of the collections, private collections. Obviously, he he, he doesn't talk about names or locations. But some of the cars in this country, um, he says, you just would be shocked at what there is. Yeah, I was going to say there's definitely some discerning collectors about which, which collect all sorts of oddball, highly desirable stuff, and they're buying stuff out of the likes of Silverstone auctions and and all the rest, and have yeah. multi million pound collections of not necessarily even supercars, but you know, uh, special stuff, low number classics and one offs mm-hmm. and and all sorts of stuff has has. Um, come into the country i think growing up too for me certainly there was always like a bit of trepidation anybody that i knew that bought a supercar or a very expensive car there was always kind of an inherent fear that you know the whole thing will lose 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 grand in a couple of years but the way the car market is now you can almost buy with confidence because cars like the 812 your car and the, the the gt4 and all the special kind of models of porsche and ferrari they, they don't seem to be losing any value if anything they're, they're going up well, I'll, go, I'll give you a laugh. Actually, the uh, my wee Yaris. Uh, did I mention that I had a GR Yaris? Uh, Once or I, twice. Really? Yeah. I uh, so I bought that car on PCP, and PCP was a whole new thing to me. And 
what I didn't realize is you could get into a situation where if the car was damaged or wrote off or something like that, that there could be a deficit between what the car is worth, what the insurance thinks it's worth and what would be to replace it. And then that's why you have uh, a gap, isn't it? Gap insurance policies, yeah. which again was an entirely new thing. But within the first year of ownership, if uh, your car's written off, uh, the insurance company has to replace it like like for like with with a new one. But after that, that's when we maybe did the gap. So so I went I went onto these gap websites to do the, com- the comparison. And the, I put in the price and what the car was and all the rest. And the gap valued it higher than the car was worth. So I don't need the gap because the car is worth more than what the gap would pay for. I need to be paying the gap. It's, it's madness. <laughs> but that's just the absolute uh, madness of, of the car market. And between... Yeah. The impending electrification, uh, which we'll have Ross foaming at the mouth here because we're going to talk <laughs> about we're going to talk about uh, electric BMWs at some stage, Ross. I know you're you're down to, but twenty thirty seven seven and a half years away when new ice car sales are allegedly going to be stopped allegedly, and then we have chip shortages and all sorts of other stuff hitting the supply chain. So, yeah, this. It doesn't look even even with if with a high inflation and potential recession or whatever's going to happen, it can't hit the car market that much because there's so much demand. It's but it's it's mental. It's uh, as I say, I couldn't believe it when I went to check the gap. It's like, well, if, if the the gap website says my car is worth more than what I paid for it, then I don't need the gap. It's only if it was worth ten grand less than what I paid for it type thing that yeah, you need the gap yeah. for. So it's a it's a, a minus gap. Although I'm, here, don't get me wrong, I bet you there's plenty of boys haven't taken out the gap that that don't that possibly don't need it. Anyway, I I digest <laughs> or digress. <laughs> uh, I have actually, although I've missed I missed uh, the Ferrari thing, and uh, I'd love to go to the bear. Where does the seventy fourth come? Is that someone's age or? That's a good birth. question. I don't actually know that. Well, that. Was there 73 other events we weren't invited to? <laughs> well, 75 uh, the next. Yeah. They do have a Facebook page. Uh, there might be some information on there. I honestly don't know the answer. But uh, I have I have been doing some other stuff. So I have been doing some video. As as you know, I took the cameras over with me when I went to see Patrick. Have a look, if you haven't seen it, at the, the place that Patrick took me to, the Celebrity Cars place with uh, the two-pack uh, seven series. Absolutely unbelievable stuff. Uh, brilliant. Uh, you you were you were very much the excited tourist in Vegas, and you're like, <gasps> you know, it was just it was, it was funny watching you um, bouncing from car to car. It was it was very well done, and it just showed like again that kind of real side to it that that you see something that's different and it's cool, and you know they're not the fanciest, sexiest cars in the country, but there's a story with everything that's in there, and that I think is one of the kind of you know if as and when I go back to Vegas, I think it's definitely one of the places that's on the on the shopping list now. Oh, I think that's something that no matter what country in the world you're in, if you're into cars and hearing a story about a car or to some kind of a background or something, it's always really interesting. Someone gave me a hard time. Well, I didn't reply to it, but replied on YouTube. It's it's it's, it's two pack, not two pack. <laughs> <laughs> two tone, like a like a two pack of bacon. But of course, you get a six pack of bacon. But anyway, uh, so and I've been doing some other video. Part of the reason I do video is because people are giving me these cars and it's the best way to try and especially the electric stuff. And, and it's it's amazing I'm getting offered all these electric cars to test. But it's it's sort of people want to know so much about them. There's so much tech in them. Doing the videos don't know how to show it, even though I'll be honest, I feel a wee bit Mr. Awkward doing it. And I'm not really uh click the bell icon and subscribe type of guy either, you know what I mean? So uh but uh but it's good you, fun. You do see you get more comfortable with it though. That you know, that's the one thing I would have said from watching some of your your first videos. It was like my first podcast here. Every other word from me was um you were a wee bit nervous. You could see a nervousness in you at the very start, but as you've got more, the most recent one I saw was your Tesla Model Y one, which I mm-hmm. thought was very good because you took your time, you spoke very calmly, very clearly. But has it given you like a bit of a newfound respect? for the likes of the Chris Harris's for the, you know, the Hammers, the Clarks, the guys who do this day in, day out. It, I, it, I'm sure it's a lot more difficult than it appears to be. I always had massive 
respect and it's only grown to be honest because see some of the stuff that like take carfection or someone like that you know and the, the production value that some of those guys put out uh with a very small team maybe just the presenter and the cameraman mm-hmm. but behind all that everything you know everything is planned and a lot more planned than what i do because there's, there's not much there's not too much planning in it although as time goes on i'm like Right, I need to research this better and better because I'll turn around and say, I'll, t- I'll tell you the other problem I had was I did a video on the i4 M50. And I said, and I still think rightly, that you only get the full 540 horsepower when the battery's over 90%. Now, Correct. I learned that from the car wow video. Right? So I get my information from there or from the manufacturer or whatever else. But I got a hard time. There's there's a whole thread in some American EV forum about my video and am I correct? And uh, you know, then guys just well, it shows me 540 horsepower in my horsepower meter, and it's under 90% battery. And I'm like, well, see the the depth of research you have to do because as soon as mm-hmm. you you say, well, or the, the i30 was another one I got caught out on. I said it did 60 in uh 5.8 seconds, and they're like, well, not no, no. That's the manual. The DCT does it in 5.2 if you're in X mode and Y mode. And I'm like, oh, God, I've both up again. <laughs> Nerds. Would, yeah, but that's that's what they they uh, that's what they expect. But also, yeah. those guys at the top of the game, they get everything right. They get all their stats correct. That, but they also have a great story. They have great filming locations. They get all their, you know, even like things like B-roll. You need to, do you need to take a, a bit of video of the door handle or some obscure button or stuff yeah, like mm-hmm. that? They have that all covered. But they, uh, they make it look so natural too, and you don't realize how hard it is to make it look natural. Um, yeah. Well, some some presenters are naturally natural. That <laughs> makes sense. But yeah, that's if you've ever. Uh, on any kind of TV work or stuff like that there, like you feel so incredibly awkward. I went on uh, when I played in the band years ago. We were in a, a local channel up in the northwest doing a thing one night and uh, you just don't know where they look, where they stand, everything else. You kinda you find respect for all these people walking TV and make it look totally natural. Yeah, totally. Or or like video production. I look at the guys yeah. like the uh ILB guys and the production uh, values of, of their videos. Did you see the video they did for JKC with all the different eras of BMW? Yeah. Yeah. What, Brilliant. what a piece of film. So I, I always had respect for that. And the more you do, the time involved as well in editing and all the rest. I was I was lucky coming back from the US. I had, had a couple of long flights and on a fully charged laptop to, to, uh, <laughs> to get it all thrown together. But uh, yeah, so anyway... Uh, long story long, I have a couple of videos out on more electric stuff, so the i4M50 and the uh, the Tesla Model Y. It's interesting, Harry Metcalf released a video about a week after I released mine uh, on the i4M50 as well. And I think we grab that now, Ross, because I I know you had it when your was yeah. your X five was it was in for uh, X five was uh, in for a service and software update and blah blah whatever it was so i just said to him look how long are you going to be in for it was well they'll be in for six or seven hours cool can i have something nice to drive you know i'm thinking about buying a nine four so they give me it out and i can't wait to kind of get through this with you because i done a really interesting back-to-back so we left i left bavarian and i went down to see peter pmg who as we know has got the model three performance model mm-hmm. And what we both done then was uh, we took a drive from PMG, which is on Blackstaff, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So from Blackstaff down to Sprucefield and back up again, um, he drove the, the i4, I drove the i4, and then we got straight out of it and into the Tesla. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to love the i4. I watched all the videos before it. You know, I thought this is, the, this is BMW's electric M3 beater. I had the new M3 out, uh, middle part last year as well, and it's definitely not an M3 beta, not mm-hmm. for drive, not for handling. When you get past the warp speed acceleration, because that that really is, you know, we, we've we spoke about it at length. Any electric car, their their big thing is the instant torque, the instant acceleration. It's party piece. It's this party piece. Yeah. But when you get past that, there, I'm sorry to say, I found the seat well when compared it side by side with the Tesla. So I'll tell you about the two drives we've done and then Andy, you can kind of go and, and, and debate me with it. But 
we left um we left Pete's place drove down to Sprucefield a couple of nice runs up and down the motorway keeping obviously at speed limits um came back onto it and it was a nice drive it was comfortable it was relaxed I found the seats quite hard um the the drive itself was pretty stiff suspension I found it very grabby is the only way I could describe when you've done your launch you could feel the back wheels pushing but mm-hmm. the front wheels you could feel the nose lifting and the front wheels really grabbing for grip we got into Pete's Model 3 and the seats first of all were more comfortable the acceleration would have blown the M50 away um, a couple of back to back side by side and the Tesla was much quicker um, just the grip and the acceleration of the line we found the Tesla was more interesting and the the i4 when I had it was on about 72-73% battery power uh, we then drove down to Impeach on auto drive the whole way down to Spruce and back up and the bloody Tesla indicated when it wanted to move in he he literally just typed in the Google Maps take me back to work and the freaking Tesla drove itself back to work mm-hmm. avoided all the cars kept the distances and I got out of it just saying this this is what an electric car should be. The i4 is really, really good, but the i4 to me was a three series trying to be electric as opposed to being a bespoke electric car. And yeah. that is actually exactly what the i4 is because it's it's a platform share. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. It's, it's a four series with the in, internal combustion engine blocked out and batteries and electric motors thrown in like because one of the things i think even really random stuff like sitting in the back of it and you have a tunnel you shouldn't you don't need a tunnel because there's nothing there's nothing there it's a weird thing yeah you know and it's it's compromised it it is compromised it's it's an effect fantastic to have the model three and the uh, and funny if i had a standard range model three because i was comparing the two cars but i didn't have a performance one to compare so it was unfair to compare how the cars how the cars drove but uh yeah compromised inside uh although i think that the bmw still has a more this this is this is where i was i was getting uh, my head was spinning nearly because it's so subjective i found when i sat in a model three or in a model y i'm like yes i love this cl- the clean lines and no buttons and all the rest this is just a breath of fresh air and then i go back into the i4 and i was like this feels familiar. It feels like BMW have always done it and all the rest. And I like I like both. That being said, there is a familiarity that you get when you step into... I'm sure it reminded you of your uh, X5. See, yep. Same type of generation. Now, it has that lovely big screen, which your X5 won't have. It'll be two separate screens. You know, on the uh, iDrive mm-hmm. system. But familiar iDrive system and all the rest. But surely you can imagine a typical BMW customer landing in on when their 420D Grand Coupe hopping into one of those and say, like, see, instead of putting diesel into it, you plug it in. And that's all that person needs to know. Job done. Whereas a Tesla is like, uh, I've used a Nokia all my life, here's an iPhone. And it's it's a different type of, like, early adopter thing. And, and I can't make up my mind uh, which approach is better because uh, I get into a Model 3 and i like, this is a breath of fresh air. I love the cleanness. I love the software. It's the, their their battery technology is by far the best. Uh, you're absolutely right. By the way, it does get the power down better. I've, yeah, a Model Three never ever seems to have an issue with traction in any sort of in wet roads and stuff like that. It's it's magic. Other stuff. Um, the Mustang had had the same type of issues. Uh, the uh, the i4 M50 as well. It seems to be moving about a bit, but don't get me wrong. The M50 is also quite exciting. <laughs> it, feels like you know it, it, it felt like it was just unbridled. Yeah, it, you, you hit the nail on the head. And, and I do, everything you're saying about it is, is exactly how I felt about it. it. It's that BMW familiarity from the people who have came through four or five or six generations of BMW. And for them, it's just a really, really natural progression to go from the 420D Grand Coupe into their i4 or the i4 M50. It, it's got that, as you said, that unbridled, that, that ride to rock and roll. It's just ready to, to kind of go. And it is very engaging. There's no doubt about it. And I think maybe part of the problem 
is me as opposed to the car itself because you're getting into it almost driving it a wee bit like an, an internal combustion car you, you don't really know what way to take it and and yeah. i think we'll grow with them um the thing that pete actually loved about it was that you know that weird noise it makes when the, I hans, the hans zimmer noises yeah, the hans yeah zimmer noises he actually yeah. loved that so he did whereas for me it was a wee bit kind of it was there it wasn't there you know you kind of went with it you can turn you can turn that all you can turn that all off uh, the uh, the i4 is a much prettier looking car a million miles nicer looking than uh, you park them and if you look at my video you can see the tesla and the i4 side by side and yes it's it's in the eye of the beer holder for sure but uh the tesla you know the tesla face and i think i actually the best thing i could say about the model y was it was so under designed it'll never go out of style because it was never in <laughs> it was never in style. i think it's a double-edged sword for bmw because they they have to go electric like with no choice everyone has to but they also want to retain their their customer base and they're trying to bring it this car now which is you know it's got a bit of the looks of the four series the three series and it's familiar to people who've had bmws before Whereas Tesla don't have this chain around their neck. They just come in totally fresh, got it from the ground up. But because Tesla have been out so long, that's what we've become accustomed to be when we think of performance electric cars. And uh-huh. then you've 100%. had this experience now, Ross, you get on a BMW and there's a transmission tunnel. It doesn't need to be there. And it just doesn't grab you the same way as a Tesla. And it's kind of a middle ground between the old and new. Yeah. And, and as well as that there, you know, it was, it was all those things. And it's the sum of all parts. Um, and you're actually right as well, what you're saying, Andy, the Tesla is definitely not the prettiest of cars. And that actually kind of leads on to it because, again, we'll talk about Pete's because his car is totally different. It's running like a carbon fiber kit. It's got 20 inch wheels. It's lowered. It, it's not like your normal Tesla. It's blacked That's out. It's amazing looking. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's tinted awesome. windows. It, it's, it really is styling on another level. And when when people actually see his Tesla going past, they're like, what? What you know? We will, it, it, we will post a link in the show notes so we can get yeah, uh, kudos it, for that. It it it's it's just so different. I I got out of the i four really wanting to be excited, but when I went back in the dealership when I was picking up my X five, you know the guys were speaking to me and was it interested to like it? And I told them yes, but I have to be honest. If I was in the market for an electric car, I'd be going for a Tesla every single day. Oh, now, if if uh, if the de- the salesman had heard that once, I'm sure they've heard that. Because I tell you the big problem at the moment is, uh, even if you were interested, oh, wh- when can you get it? You know, nine yeah. months, a year down the line. You walk into Tesla and you get a, you get a brand new Model 3 performance in three months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Tesla have, they still have the supply chain. So that's, that's the real problem. It's nearly, well... Uh, what do you want, right? I want a Hyundai Ionic Five. Okay, you need to wait six months. I want a Porsche Taycan, twenty twenty three. You know, you, I was just going to say, have you driven a Taycan yet? Have you? No, but I, I know someone with one, and I've I have actually I've spoken to Porsche GB. I've spoken to Porsche Belfast. It's a no from both of them because I am. Um, not imp- important at all uh, compared to the likes of uh, the Henry Catspoles and whoever of this world, and I'm fine with that. Because I know that mm-hmm. myself anyway, but mm-hmm. yes, plan to get. Uh, and I have a, I have a. I'm supposed to be going for a Taycan four for a driving one anyway, uh, in the next two weeks, and looking at a Taycan Turbo. Fantastic! There we yep. go. So we'll have we'll have to hear we'll have to hear about that because they that Porsche are setting a high bar there, but but then they're very expensive. You know, they are a yeah. totally different price bracket. To the they're they're, uh, they're stunning though. There's um, it's one I pass every day, and it's not the uh, standard take on What do you call the the one of kind of the shooting break look? Yeah. So there's cr- yes. cross cross Tresmo. Cross Tresmo. Yeah, it's one of those, and that is stunning. The guy, the guy must have fully specced it. It's got massive wheels. It's got some kind of kit on it. This so much presence on the road. Do you know what, Ross? Though when you said to me that you want to talk about the i4, I wasn't expecting you to be comparing it. From the Model Three, I was expecting you to say, "Look, recently I drove the G80 M3, and in comparison, the i4 suck balls." And that, you know, I I would agree with because you you can't compare an EV for driver enjoyment to their internal combustion counterpart, which the i4 effectively has in the in the M3. Yeah, very much so. Um... Everything about it, the the noise, the drive, how it puts it down. BMW are trying to compare, or sorry, I should put it away. I feel like the 
people, media, BMW, whoever else, is trying to compare the i4 to the new G8 AM3. And in reality, it's nowhere close to it. No, it's, it's... When I'm doing these EV reviews and videos, I'm comparing EV to EV. And really, they are a, they are a different class of car in my mind, uh, a different bracket to uh, a performance car you could quite enjoy, like the likes of the M3 or GT4 or a C63 or or something like that. They're just they're just not up there. Their EVs are getting better and better, and they are very impressive, and they make fantastic daily drivers. But uh, when we talk about this fantasy situation of getting up at six o'clock on a Sunday morning and going and enjoying the empty empty roads, if anyone actually did that, you wouldn't really do that in an EV unless you didn't want to wake anyone up and then you just <laughs> you could creep out quietly. But there that's not really what they're, you know, uh buying them as a driver's car is not the top of the reason the purchasing reasons. It's normally because people can get them through a company scheme. And it will, in some round roundabout way, save them some money and, and allow them to have the latest technology, and and that I get, by the way, and and like the likes of the Tesla Model Y was a fantastic family car, although it didn't it didn't drive as nice as the didn't drive as nice as the Model Three or the um, i Four, but it had such great range and it was so big and the tech and all was great. I could see, well, do you know what? There is a you know just all purpose go anywhere use it for anything vehicle no matter if it was internal combustion or not but it wasn't as i say it wasn't something well, certainly you wouldn't look at it and go flip that that turns me on it wasn't cancelling my uh lotus amira order yeah for one, that's know? really pretty i want one i want to go on yeah you don't you're not going to go and pick it on on looks alone no totally so uh gaz has a habit of uh, writing letters to Evo magazine and getting them published every bloody time he writes them because <laughs> they're one of these stalkers. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the letters always are are brilliant, and I'll, I'll stick a I'll stick a link into the in the show notes. What what was your latest one about gas? Uh what was it? Yeah, it was um, an article that did I think last month or the month before uh, talking about Ferrari reliability. And Porsche reliability, and um, I, you know, Ferraris used to be notoriously unreliable, and you know they've kind of come full circle now, and people are using them as daily drivers and stuff like that. There, so I was just sort of waffling on about my first experience of a Ferrari ever in my life, which was like many, many years ago, and it was a 1982 Ferrari Mondial, and uh, I was so excited knowing that I was going to get a run on a Ferrari, you know, a couple of days ahead, and then the day came, got in this car, and it was a heap of shit. Uh, the heater was jammed on full. You couldn't turn the heat down, and you couldn't turn it the blower down. The windows were stuck up; they wouldn't go down. It wouldn't select reverse. There's various problems with the brakes, various problems with the engine. It wasn't even that old, you know, and it wasn't high mileage or anything at all. So there were, it was just like a sign of the times. I think you know the, the fries of that age were quite fickle and unreliable, you know. But it was a huge letdown. And then on the same day, I had a run on Porsche 928, which was rock solid. And everything worked and just felt like it was cut from granite. You know, it was so solid and planted in the road and everything else. So I've kind of been a, a Porsche lover ever since, more so than Ferrari. Well, it was a great pleasure to open the Evo magazine on the flight and turn over the page and, and be reading in the letter, reader's letter section and uh, signed off by yours truly. Um, and as I say, it's not the last time, so I'm, I am expecting more. I'll keep plaguing them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You get like a week up or something sent back from every time you send a letter in. <laughs> no, I mean, you get a, the weather of the week or the weather of the month gets a, a watch. So I'm aiming for the watch. So I can show it off. You know? Yeah. Very nice. Do one of the watch poses you see on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not even, uh, let's not even start on, yeah. on that. Uh, what else was I, I reading about then? Uh, I see that uh Toyota have you know, they've released this new GR86, the, the GT86. They stopped that a while ago, and they were bringing out GR86, which is the same same idea. The boxer engine is now uh, 2.2 rather than two liter. Still, uh, still this thing with with uh, Subaru, so it's the boxer engine, but front engine, rear drive, and they have sold out two years of their allocation. They're they're gone before they're even they're even launched, which is incredible. So it's it's GR Yaris fever. All over again, so uh, unreal. Shame they didn't put a turbo on it though. 
I know, but all the same, it's it's, it's encouraging to see that they've sold out in ninety minutes. You know, a, a small manual rear wheel drive cafe, which was that what it was? People are, it was ninety minutes. It sold out in. Yep, ninety minutes. They sold their whole two year production room. Uh, and there is um, there is a witness for cancellation, so you know you can get on that there if, if somebody wanted one. And with any luck, you may get a cancellation, but. It's, it's, was, just, it's, it's encouraging to see a, a small driver's car like that's still being popular. It's interesting to say small driver's car. Um, I'm nearly sure, and I'll have to have a look for show notes to make sure I'm not wrong on it, but I did see somewhere when they were talking about the Corolla GR that's been released but not released for the UK market, but they're also coming out with the Yaris in an automatic gearbox, which for me is completely taken away from what that wee car is all about. All right. Are, mm-hmm. you see, are they actually doing that? I, I, I don't know. because I can't see them making any, any more GR Yaris at all. I'll have to find a link. Yeah, find us find us a link on that. Uh, the the weird thing about the it's a shame they're not bringing the Corolla out in the in the UK because there'll be plenty of competition there. Uh, some sort of silly rule that Toyota have decided that not one one region yeah. in the world is is not getting more than three GR models, and the GR models we're getting is the GR Supra, the Yaris, and the eighty six. The Supra, they are putting a manual into it. Which will be Two later, isn't it? Oh, they're not putting it. Well, they're, they're not. They're, at this moment in time, they're going with the three liter, and there's like a three liter bigger pro engine or something they're talking about. Um, they haven't confirmed whether the ladies' two liter is going to be getting a manual gearbox or not. That would be a bit I actually thought it was. Uh, I thought Evo had the two liter with a manual on a long-term test, maybe I'm mistaken, maybe it's a DCT or whatever it is. I, I think I'm, uh, it's the, definitely the three litre, the B58 six-cylinder BMW engine is, is the one that they're, mm-hmm. they're talking about putting the, um, putting the manual into, which, which, will be, which will make a job of that car. Yeah. It, it, it really will. I see a BM have bought um, Alpina as well, which is interesting. So, well, they actually own them now. Very yeah, good. they actually bought them out. Yeah, so it's uh, they'll become. Who, who, yeah, some other company bought a Chinon outfit. Who were known for Chinon, their brand. Who was it? Um, well, hold on, Ross Ford. Ross has sent a link here for the Yaris Automatic from Auto Express. Auto Express, wash your mouth out, Ross. <laughs> National Enquirer. Find a bit true. They put a render of a, a PRND mm. on a on top of a Yaris gear console. Ready to start my Yaris. So, uh, so yeah. But, uh, Here, Auto uh, Auto Express through readers' wives. You you get a letter in there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did Did you see the Lotus SUV at all? The Elettra being launched. It is quite a. Uh, Quite a sexy looking wagon, and sure it's electric. So hopefully I get one for a review. You know, they're uh, they're only a hundred grand. I wish. Uh, did you see that at all? Mm. Did not. No. No, but I, will. I did see spy shots of it, and again, all these all these SUVs are looking more and more enticing as well. So they are. So I take a step back here. I was just really trying to refresh myself. Who else bought a man? Sorry, what other manufacturer bought a Chinon company? Uh, it was actually Volvo bought Polestar. That's what it was. Yes. Uh, whilst everyone's listening, and I meant to do this earlier on in the podcast, there's a couple of events coming up well worth taking a look. There is the Lock Golf Festival of Motorsports. That is 7th of May. The same day, Mondello. There is Driftmasters. Modified live at Mandela, that looks good as well. And then the week after that, Sunday the 15th, Let's Dance are having the cars and coffee. And there's also a track skills track day on that Sunday. So there's absolutely loads of stuff going on. So there is. There's also things being popped up on the forum as well. I'm sure people uh, will have seen it. Modern Tires done, uh, like a cars and coffee made up there at Dunkrew. Uh, Bank holiday, yeah, Mayday. And then there is talk about uh, the RMS drive-out on the 21st of May. Uh, it's been organised through the forum with a, a coastal run the whole way up, uh, the whole way up, uh, ending up at holidays for some really cool photographs on their big turntable. Yeah, we, we've, we've done that before. That's that's going to be a cracker, uh, a cracker day out. I'm looking forward to uh, 
looking forward to that one. So, anything else, guys? What else has happened? Um, another RMS car winner. There's a uh, Niall O'Dowd of the forum has won Dream Car Giveaways M5 competition. Just only saw that today. That's a nice yeah, one. Beautiful car. And it's a tuned one as well. It's like 700 and something horsepower. So that's the way to do it. They're an amazing car. Like me and Andy talked about, um, we were at the, the car show, uh, the classic car show last November, and we got a run out in one. Like, I was so impressed with it. You know, yeah. that was not what I expected. So tight and planted in the road and felt a lot smaller than it is. It just kind of shrinks around you. They are brilliant. So, great, great car. Like, it's nice to win anything, but the car of that kind of caliber is just something else. Unreal. Unreal. What? It's it's one of those things like you're just it's you have the temptation. Do you still do this after winning something, Ross? Do you still do them? Every now and then. If, if I see, do you know something? I, I was always the same. When the only time I ever went in for a competition is if I saw something that I would genuinely like. I, I was never one of these people to go into it just for the sake of trying to win something to to flip it quickly. Um, as still owning the E46 shows, you know that's two and a bit years now at this stage uh, and I still love it so yeah every now and then if I see something nice I'll I'll throw a couple of quid in a ticket no doubt about it unbelievable on the subject of the M3 I um, I missed out in the diff that we spoke about uh, just before Christmas time so I'm, I'm still waiting to find uh, the 4.1 diff for it but oh, what nice. I did do was I, uh, I decatted it last week for I had a set of just for extra rasp, uh, I had a set of decap pipes sitting for about a year and a half and just never got around to fitting them. Um, and it was in for just a service before it comes out for the run during the summer again. Um, and I got one of a friend of mine, a local mechanic, just to pull the catalytic converters out, stick the decats in. So at this moment in time, I'm, I'm like lions. I'm driving around with a, a set of cats in the boot of the car. Uh, but the, the rasp of the decats is just something else. It's, it's, it's lovely, so it is. I will get out in the RMS run, and we'll get to some of these, uh, some of these shows coming up as well. Yeah, and super. I'll, and I'll, I'll, the other thing I flipping need to do is uh, get ready, hopefully for Lotus ownership in July time. Mm-hmm. So it's getting close. Looking forward to that. So I am, and uh, new Lotus and a, a new baby all around the same time. Yeah. Which one will take more? Uh, What's the word? More care. <laughs> I, I would say the Lotus is going to be extremely low mileage. <laughs> That's, Does I, that mean that the Porsche is on the way? I'll have to find the GT4 a new home. Absolutely. So uh, so I'll have to get an ad together for that in the next in the next wee while. I'm, I'm sure it'll sell itself, to be honest. So it's a very, uh, very great example. It's very clean. Brilliant car. I was actually, I met yep. up with some uh, Lotus guys from the Lotus forums uh, last last week and we went for we went for a run and there was a couple of uh, couple of guys who have Lotuses there. Actually, there's one of the guys has a GT4 as well and it's interesting. He's lucky he has both and he says he couldn't part with both nearly. He has a GT4 <laughs> Avora but he has a GT4 as well and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, what does it say? It's better to love and lost, and uh, you know you have to you have to try uh, these things. As nice as the we have spoken of this before, and I'm sure you can't wait for the the Lotus to come. But that GT4 was just such a special car, man. It's just there's just something about it. It's, it said like the looks of it, the color of it, the drive of it, the sound of it. The Lotus has got. It's going to have a tough job replacing that. I tell, tell you the other thing I was looking at as well was, uh, and I think it's even one of your photos, Gary, up at the the event up at Eglinton or at, um, mm-hmm. at the was uh, was there a C8 Corvette there? There was, yeah, a red one. What did you think of it? Did you look around it much? It's a car I've seen in photos and I've loved it, and you know, sort of thought that's it's like a you know a junior Ferrari or it's got that kind of look about it, you know. Uh, but I don't know what they are in America, sixty, seventy thousand dollars, something like that. They're, they're not very expensive. I've had a huge amount of car for the money, but I'll be honest. In the flesh, when you see it parked next to those other cars, it was showing up a little bit. That's what you I was, know. That's what I was wondering. Is it, is it a wee bit ugly? It's a wee bit 
the design is a wee bit ham-fisted. It's a bit ham-fisted. It's like an Americanized version of how they would approach a Ferrari or something like that there. With that said, like it's sitting parked beside Aventadors and 918s and things like that there. Take the same car in isolation or, you know, it's amongst more normal UK cars and you probably love it. But it's starting at 80 grand over here. And, you know, when you you factor in that it's 20,000 cheaper in America, 80,000 over here buys you a lot. It buys you a lot of cars, so it does. But if you're spending 80 grand, would you be throwing it onto a Corvette or would you be going for something like your GT4s, like your, you know, name any other rival of that there? And I think you can have a better car finished in every way for our roads over here possibly now uh, i'm just having a i'm just sneaking a look at some of uh, the pictures you've put up here for us to look at gary would would 80 grand buy one of these new ugly uh bmws would it but no my god yeah i wouldn't pay 80 pence for it what so so we're talking about the new uh these new super grilled uh x and there's the x7 and they seem to be all the sevens. There's the i7, there's the X7, and then there's been pre-release photographs of the seven series. Yeah, and all three of them are disgusting. And you, you, you'll see me in the show notes here. I've, I've said like this time last year, we're probably talking about the G8 AM3, and we're saying that the BMW designers must be an asset, but they've obviously now moved on directly to crack cocaine because uh, the, the the large grill and the G80, which everyone talked about across the entire world. I've kind of become familiar. I wouldn't say I, lo- I love it yet, but I've got used to it and you can kind of live with it. But this new 7 Series and the new X7 and these other models, like they've totally removed the headlights and you're left with two very narrow slits, which is where you're, I assume there's some kind of laser or LED light and then massive grills. So the headlights were about the only thing that detracted from the grill. And that's really just a huge grill in front is all you see now. Uh, the, uh, uh, one thing I will say, Ross, just talking about the, the headlights, because you're right, Gary, those headlights are very, very tiny, but the laser headlights on the i4, I thought, were absolutely incredible. Did, it, did the one that you ha- ha- have, have it? Yeah, well, I've got laser lights in my X5. And oh, yeah. Same thing. They're a different... I've, I've never se- I've never had lights been as good as them. I've been in Audis with their dot matrix. I've been in, you know, whatever else. My Jag had the LED headlights in it, but the laser lights in BMW, they're just... They're just something else. They're amazing. Just at, at night, you could have full beam on and there'll be oncoming traffic and the the system will just cut out. Uh, like a, It's like someone putting a bit of card over part of the headlight yeah. where, so that the oncoming driver doesn't get blinded. But you're still illuminating the hedge and the far side of the other car and stuff like that. It's just... It's amazing. It's, amazing. it's one of those things you, you have to kind of be in them to, to, see, to experience what it's like. And again, for whatever I do go for next, I think it's going to be very hard to not have laser lights or the laser lights equivalent in, in whatever vehicle it may be. Yeah, but back to the i7 and stuff like that. Oh my God, they, they look terrible. And why why are BMW putting these huge grills and stuff that don't even need grills, like electric stuff? I think it's the Chinese market. They're really going for that look now. The huge grills are always popular in the Chinese market. And I think... Um, it's such a large market and they're trying to get a massive share within it and it's worth a lot of money to them, but it, it's totally kind of going against what we've got used to within Europe and even America, I suppose, to a degree. Uh, oh, we were um, we were chatting there about over there updates um, that Teslas, etc. do as well. I have my X5 might have been tinkered with by modifiers um, and and over there update, which was improving my maps and my gesture control and all the rest of the stuff that you don't really use because you plug the phone in and Google Maps and everything's done through it. But it took my Jeep back down to 400 horsepower as opposed to the 480 odd that it was running before. Um, so yeah, over there updates, I, I was told then by Gab over in Blackline to switch off the, the automatic updates. And it's kind of crazy because, you know, that this for me is, is probably... You know, with modern technology, with all this over there updates, like you can you can see your Tesla now. You can pay Tesla, I think it's a few hundred pounds, and they will reduce your zero to sixty time by like a half a second or point six seconds, whatever it may be. So they can actively map or remap your car as and when either you see fit or they see fit. Mm-hmm. And manufacturers can now put your car back to standard 
if they can detect any changes to it whatsoever. Well, I've I've two thoughts on that. The first thing is that upgrade. I think that upgrade is about it's between fifteen hundred quid and two grand <laughs> from Tesla. So that's wow. for, that's for the long range, and it reduces the sixty time from four point eight to four point two, which is decent because the the performance is three point five. So it's it's mm-hmm. a million miles away from it, and there's there's some good videos on YouTube showing that. It makes it it makes it pretty close. But I'll give you another example. I, I read this one recently in the over there update. So uh, John Deere had a big ma- uh, uh, sales facility for John Deere tractors in, U- in the Ukraine, and the Russians stole a pile of John Re- John Deere tractors. So John Deere over the air bricked them, so they can't use them. Wow, <laughs> that's unreal. Yeah. So uh, now at the yes. same time, I think there was a big. There was a big problem because uh, people didn't like the fact that if John John Deere were the only ones that could do any work on like harvesters and stuff like that because of their bespoke technology, but this is an example of where they could just say, "Nope, we're just going to knock these vehicles on the head because they were all they were all stolen." And it would be at the same time, was it blackjack or something like that? Was one of the types of uh, car theft systems where you could just lock something down. So if you had a car stolen, maybe it could just be like find my iPhone, and just, just mm-hmm. it yeah, and just wipe it. In fact, what what does, the cars for, brain. what does that mean for the future of vehicle thefts? Really, it, it makes you. Uh, they could stop it if they want to stop it, or if they want to allow the insurers. This is all conspiracy theories, but you know, there's when when I got a phone call a month ago from BMW to let them know that there was. 20,000 miles or 21,000 miles in my car and and it was telling me that it needs a service like they're in constant communication you know they're, they're backwards and forwards and all the time they were able to tell me what my fuel levels were at what my oil levels were at um whether they could tell you what speed you're doing whatever else but this really is like technology you know and and this is the thing that you know with the whole ev cars coming and with all these things coming I do think that days of modifying as we have grown up modifying, you know, the performance exhaust, the performance intakes, obviously you're not going to have that with an EV car, but these remaps, the the things that got there, this game is changing dramatically and, and will be, and there's things going on in the background that aren't affecting us yet because we don't think about it. But, you know, what's to say that you go to one of our local car tuning companies and you get your car remapped and your dealership can tell that you've been fettling with your car. And then the next thing, they either brick it on you or, you know, all warranties are gone, all warranties are voided. Yeah. It, it's frightening to, you know, that that, that kind of John Deere bricking your car or John Deere bricking their tractors, BMW bricking your car and saying, no, this is our parameters that you drive within. Well, I suppose, you know, the, the argument could be that, you know, they're, they're not breaking any rules and it's always been that way. If, if they've detected you've done something to the car under or during a warranty period, it's always been within their rights to let it invalidate the warranty or else mm-hmm. remove the parts or whatever. But all they have now is better visibility of that. I, but yeah, I, it's, it's from a car modifying viewpoint, it's quite annoying, but I, I assume like we would make up the minority of cars in the road that are going to be fettled with. So like the vast majority won't be. My my other thought as well is that if see if EVs are less appealing as a driver's car, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what we're going. We're talking about what, the way technology is going. Everyone will be driving an, an EV uh, in the next, well, not everyone, but in the next 20 or 30 years. You certainly can't buy a new one at the end of 2030 or the start of 2030. But it's more if no more good driver's cars are being produced, then... What no one's going to have a poster of a Tesla on their wall saying I aspire to have this this milk float, and then what does that mean for the next the next generation of car enthusiasts? You know, I wonder. It's you know, are we a dying breed? Because I think we know, are actually. There's there's no doubt about it, but I hope not too soon because because it's funny. Um, I have two boys, and the the older one, we Rossi, he is nuts about Teslas. He's everything. He's seven and. Tesla's to him are the coolest cars ever. Pete made the mistake of taking them out and doing a few of the, the launch controls in it. And, and my wee fella thinks there's nothing like it. My youngest boy, Louis, is four. And he's <laughs> he calls it the, the M3 banana car. Yeah. So he asked me, we, we were out there a couple of weekends ago and 
so it was donut daddy and everything was hunky dory and that was grand he goes daddy when you die can i have your car so so <laughs> we might be a dying breed but but my four-year-old uh sees the value of the banana car and wants it for himself there's like if anyone's going to hold the torch it's 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 guys like uh us and the people in the forum and all and all the rest but it's you know how you know how many people we see you know, 17, 18, modifying their car. And I know we're giving people a hard time for, do you see some of the silly stuff that was going on over uh, Easter up in uh, the port? You know, all, all this, uh, people st- sticking their faces in front of exhaust pipes and getting uh, getting yeah. uh, absolutely uh, blackened. But, but, Darwin. But behind that, there's loads of guys there who just love cars, you know, at the yeah. same time. So that, so that is there, but, but I do wonder, you know, when you don't have the uh, uh, engine noise, or you don't hear a Ferrari roaring past, or yeah. you don't have hear a Porsche or an M3, or all those sorts of things that I remember when I was when I was seventeen or eighteen, if someone had an M3, that was amazing. It sounded class. It was so quick. It looked so cool. You know, I don't know if people will feel the same about something that's electric and that everyone has and and right so it, it's it's quick not to say uh, i think the days it. of modifying and the way that we did it are are dying and probably won't be back you know because as you say everything's going to be and it's just not going to make sense on top of that you've got just increasingly more restrictions you've got all your speed limiters your gps based limiters you've got this uh initiative now in uk where they're spending three hundred thousand pounds on some new technology which will be able to actively tell you if an exhaust is too loud previously they couldn't really do that on a, a drive-by. They had to attach something to the exhaust, but they can now do it if cars driving past. Uh, so everything's kind of working towards a, a future where they're clamping down on modifications. That's not to say that the future generation won't be in the cars in the way that we were. It'll just be different. I imagine that'll be factory standard, but they'll probably play around a lot in configurations, and it could be a, a type setup where you have a car for six months, and then you chop and change it, and get something new and you know it'll be kind of buying phones and things they'll they'll be more into that than actually changing the standard setup it really depends on the amount of uh, autonomy either uh, or as well yeah. i'm sure i'm sure you're playing with the autonomous stuff or the it's not really autonomous but the adaptive crews and stuff like that then the and the bm and you were talking yeah. about uh, pete's model three and you know you stick something to the sat nav and it, it tries to drive itself but let's be honest that stuff would still drive you into the reservation if you if you let it. Yeah, it, it's like I said. There's no doubt it's the way things are going, and and there there, I think for us still there's a happy medium because we still we're probably the last of a dying generation. There's no doubt about it too. You're kind of clinging on to dear life for noisy, smelly, loud cars um, that don't drive themselves that rely on us trying to do as best as we can. But you know there there's. We have to move the times. It's as simple as that. There, like moving the times. Nissan, they've stopped production of the R35 because they're too noisy. Even though, like, have you heard like modern petrol cars with these PPF filters and that? Then there's there's little to no noise off them compared to how yeah. they used to be. But like Nissan, at the end of what's this in? May? It's the end of this month, I think. They they've stopped uh, production of the R35 because of noise re- reg- noise regulations. It's, they, must, they must be near the end of life anyway, so they're out since 2008 or something, or 2007, so it's a, getting it's, on a bit now. It's a huge tenure, um, yeah. just on, on GPF, the gas particulate filter. So so you think of all the madness that went on around Dieselgate, especially in the, in the US, where it, was a, where it was a massive deal. The US do not have GPFs in their cars. I could not believe this. I thought you know that they would have particulate filters that don't. There's lots of other filtration technologies but like one we've had for i don't know three four five five years now that's one that actually strangles the new gt4 compared to compared to mine yeah compared to previous models yeah my, my gr yaris is a gpf as well so it totally strangles uh strangles it as well and you can see that's some mods people say well because that is a that's a warranty and it's an mot thing and all the rest but people say well no the hell with it we get the gpf out and use it for track days or whatever else not put it straight through because it's so uh restrictive but takes all that stuff uh, all the nasties allegedly out of it you would think as well when we get to the stage where there'll be no you know the car the cars will just produce roses and they'll smell of the breeze there's that <laughs> infiltration going on <laughs> 
as much as we were lauding BMWs earlier on, I know that they're working a lot on the um, the hydrogen uh, as opposed to pure EVs. Now they're they're doing a lot of work in hydrogen engines, uh, which won't obviously have the nasties and the smells and everything else with it. So it, there, again, there's been there's been thorough discussions about EVs where they are, where they're going to. <laughs> Whilst internal combustion engines are, have to be stopped, I do think there's going to be other alternatives that are going to have to come out. Yeah, I, well, who, who knows? Who knows? And can they come out on time? Can we generate enough energy? All that yeah. sort of stuff, because the Ukraine's had a massive effect on uh, mm-hmm. on everything as well. But flip me, we're getting very... Uh, getting very melancholy now. <laughs> very negative in our old age. Absolutely, and... and yeah. To be honest, uh, we, at the same time, we have some of the best internal combustion cars out. And, you know, Ferrari are knocking them out. BMW are knocking them out. Yeah. Lotus, we're getting, we're getting the, the last hurrah. The uh, GT4 RS. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. What a car. Put a GT3 engine in the GT4. Incredible. So uh, I, I think actually what we're saying is, well, it's now's a great time because you're getting all the best technology in your internal combustion car. So yeah. now is actually the time to get something. It's- and enjoy it. Uh, and, and, and do you know something? I think that really is it because, you know, Andy, you, you've driven a lot of these EV cars. I've driven a few of them now. And and I, I do see the appeal of them. I really and truly do. Um, but there's nothing else beats getting into something that yeah. they don't have to be the fastest cars in the country. You know, we're not talking about something at eight or 900 horsepower. You're talking about something three and a half to 400 horsepower that goes really, really well, drives really well, but there's engagement with it. And, and that really is the thing. Um, you know, I know I've harped on about it because I've done one track day, so that automatically makes me an expert in it. But there's just something about that feeling about what a car can do when it's not been strangled by speed limits, when it's not been strangled by whatever other limits that, that, that are there for us, when you can go out and drive a car to the most of my capability. Um, there's no EV car will ever do that there. Yeah. But that, that won't ever be an issue for us really, because uh, we have that type of car as a point of reference. There'll be a generation born who will never drive one of those. They'll learn to drive in an EV and uh, maybe someday their their uncle or their grandfather will take them out in an old M3 and it's going to seem clunky, noisy, smelly, everything else probably to them. And uh, they're going to go, how do people ever drive this? In the same way that we may look at a car from the 50s and 60s and go, oh, I could have driven that every day. you know. But I would say at the same time, it should leave them with a bit of a experience that they remember, which is a little oh, yeah, more memorable. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah. I, I, you don't even need 350 horsepower. Like if you have a Suzuki Swift at 150 brake or an MX5 yeah. or or anything. Uh, anyway, I, I think the, the current petrol and diesel cars that are around will hopefully still be around for a long time and we can continue to drive them. My fear will be at what stage will they say you're no longer allowed to drive anything in the road but EV? And um, where do all these old cars go? Totally. Bishop's course. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, talking about business court and stuff like that, I did, I did see. There, so I'm not sure if you guys have seen. I've recommend a couple of people join up the forum. Um, Bishop's Court has kind of reopened uh, very officially. There's a new team have taken it over for diff and drift days. They've been doing them on Sundays. Um, I was speaking to them about the potential of doing some straight line events as well because they've got they've got the whole kind of east side of the track. Uh, they've got the, loads and loads of space. This is the airstrip rather than the circuit. Correct, yeah. So down the airstrip. So they, at this point in time, they've set up. It, it, it's it's a large enough, but it's quite a basic figure of eight um, for the cars to go in. You basically go, you pay your way in, and they're wetting the track down. So you can go and put it literally as a run what you brung. Uh, there's been a few of the the Irish drifting guys who came down for obviously a bit of track time as well, just to to get out onto it. But you know that this is. It's great to see, uh, obviously, my doorstep where people are coming down um, and and getting out there and and having a bit of fun in cars. And, you know, yeah. there's Lexuses everywhere. But as I said, there's been a few high horsepower uh, drift cars out giving us tax as well. And they are talking about trying to get a section of it cleaned up to do some straight line drag events. Well, there you go. The, the scene is alive and well. I think that we bring this to a close. Hopefully in the next show we will have a guest. 
and we'll be back in person and I can actually get away from uh, antenatal classes to uh, <laughs> to have the joys yeah the joys to uh, have a show in person thanks for listening please make sure you follow us and like and subscribe and do all the things we're everywhere at RMS Motoring on all the socials and if you have any questions you can get us on pod pod at rmsmotoring.com and I'd just like to say thanks for listening and remember there's no warranty this was sold as seen <laughs>